0: My neighbors love Halloween. I'm not using the word lightly. They love Halloween. If you've ever been on my street during the Halloween season, you know which house is theirs. There's no question. In fact, their decorations are usually up before the end of September. And it's not all that unusual for them to still be up after Thanksgiving. It's a lot of decorations, guys. I mean, a lot. If you've ever wondered what it would look like if you took the entire Halloween store and set it up in your front yard, you'd be seeing this house. Personally, I love it. Now, I have two sons, Charlie and Oliver. When they were smaller, they both used to be pretty scared of that yard, especially the younger one, Oliver. He used to be terrified of that yard. To the point where when we were coming home from somewhere and we were pulling into the driveway, he would cover his eyes, turning away, and he'd say, I don't have to look at it. I don't have to look at it. Once we were in the safety of our house, though, he would rush right to the big window that faces that yard. He'd open up the curtains just enough to look through, and he'd sit there and sit there, and sit there, staring at that yard, fixated, fascinated. It would be time for dinner. He would come, eat his food as quickly as he could, and go back to that window. He did this night, after night, after night. And when the decorations were finally taken down later in the year, he was sad about it. He'd ask about it. He missed them. I think a lot of us are like this. There are things that frighten us. Things we're afraid of, but instead of avoiding these things, we find books about them. We watch movies about them. We seek them out one way or another to experience that fear. From a safe vantage point, of course. I'm no exception. I've been a fan of horror ever since I was a little boy. I've always loved getting scared. And being an empathetic person, the stuff that scares me really scares me. So I read a lot of horror books. I watch a lot of horror movies. And I find it's not enough. I have to share the experience with someone. I have to talk about it. There has to be discussion. There has to be interaction. Being told a campfire story by someone An experience they've had, something that they heard about from a friend, a local legend from their area. That's the good stuff. That's the really scary stuff. So, this podcast is my way of looking out that window, looking at the scary things on the lawn, telling myself I'm safe because I'm indoors and protected, but there's still a little thrill. Because, I mean, it is right there. So, how safe can it be? I'm Alpi Robles, and I want you to scare me. Our guest today is Dallas native and author, Rene Guerrero. When it comes to writing, René is always drawn to the darker side of life, especially fear of the unknown. He also has a love of local history and lore. This combination is what makes his writing fall so neatly into a genre he calls Southern Gothic Paranormal, which led to him writing the novel he's most known for, White Rock. Now, the reason he's drawn to the supernatural and dark things is that there's a lot of it to be found in his own life experience some of which he's about to share with us today.
1: You know, I just come from a a, um, a very much affected Hispanic family, which I'm sure a lot of people do. It's kind of a strange culture. It's very much of a cultural thing. There's a lot of superstition and so on and so forth. That's kind of where I'm coming from, and um, I I really want to put a lot of realism in my work. So I, uh, I draw from some of the crazy shit that I've seen. So... White Rock began as a 90-page uh, script for a feature film and uh, sat on the shelf for a couple of years and I decided it was such a great idea and there were so many cool things that I could just touch on in a script that I just had to pull it apart and tell the whole story and uh, it became a much better tale once I, I, I pulled it out of that constraints of 90 minutes so. I'm born and raised in Dallas. So, um, you know, I, I remember when I was four years old, my father first told me about the, the legend of uh, the Lady of the Lake. And, you know, I'm four years old, so it was like, oh my God, there's a real ghost in this city, you know? And everybody was like, it was no big deal. And fast forward to, you know, 25 years later, and I'm uh, working at a media company uh, as a producer for a new news oriented show that they're trying to get together. So, um, one of the guys that I had brought on, as a secondary producer, he and I are having a three margarita lunch. And, you know, he just kind of kind of kicks back and we're sitting at, o- at Ojeda's in Dallas. And he's like, you know what? I've always wanted to write a script about the white rock ghost. And I just had this light bulb moment. It just went off over my head. And it's like, I could write that. And immediately I, ideas started flooding me. He gave me that kernel that it was like, Man, there's something there. You know, it's my hometown, and I know there's a lot of crazy stuff happening in Dallas. And my parents um grew up in the city as well and told me stories of being best friends with um, the campeses and I, and I just knew there was a rabbit hole. I knew enough. And so when I started thinking of of concepts and ideas that I wanted to put in the book, man, I had this this unlimited resource right here in in Dallas. But I think all really real good horror stories are born out of true uh, conflict. People are, are really having to deal with unrest. I mean, they're dealing with their fears, with their deepest fears daily. And you, you think at some point it gets easier to deal with, but I mean, it, it, it doesn't. I love pulling everyday fear. The story of The Lady of the Lake has been um, one of the most iconic urban legends out of Dallas, Texas, uh, since it it first started circulating in the early uh, 1930s. So there are a lot of discrepancies in a lot of the tales that are told. So I'm going to tell you basically what the legend is. So since the 1930s, motorists traveling around the lake at night, you used to be able to drive around the lake, um, motorists traveling around the lake would uh, report coming upon this young woman in the middle of the night Uh, soaked to the skin in a dress, bare feet, standing out out in the middle of nowhere, right next to the lake, all by herself. And uh, again, certain discrepancies, what she looked like, what she was wearing, what she said. But basically, they drive up, see this girl, pull over, miss, can we help you? She's like, yes, I've I've had an accident. Could you take me home? They actually put her into the backseat of the car, and um, she gives them an address. Now, that's, the address is another discrepancy that changes depending on what stories you're, you're reading or listening to. Um, but they, they drive to where this woman says, turn around to see if they're in the right place. And she's disappeared. There's nothing but water and weeds in the backseat where she's been sitting. So they get out of the car, walk up to the door in the middle of the night, knock. An elderly person answers the door and says, yes, that was my, my daughter. She disappeared 60-plus years ago. You're the hundredth person to try and bring her home. And you know, basically, when they turn back and, and uh, you know, to see if she's there, when they drive up to the house, they look back and see that the seat is wet. In a nutshell, that is is the thing. So I, I added to that, a number of people that have lived on the perimeter of Buckner Boulevard and these places that live facing the lake have also um, had— um, Accounts of of answering the door, you know, people are knocking, they're answering the door, nobody's there. It's an interesting story. I mean, but it has been repeated so many times. Now, the interesting thing of it is, uh, when you get into it, it's part of basically a worldwide archetype. Um, Things like this have been around since like the Napoleonic times. There used to be something called um, the vanishing traveler. And uh, when people, you know, mainly traveled on horseback, um, these strange individuals would appear at crossroads and make some strange type of proclamation and disappear. And it was always, you know, about war or pestilence or something like that, you know, very different. But seriously, it's been all over in every major culture. And not only that but there's also similar myths, um, about, um, women, uh, female ghosts haunting bodies of water all throughout the world. There's, um, uh, there's one in Washington state, there are two in Canada. Um, I mean, multi- all over, all over the world And again, these are archetypal type of things. So that's one thing that, that I wanted to address. It's like, okay, our, our are people just having this this mass hallucination there's got to be something to it and i and i think it's something spiritual that's tied to the water element the fascinating part is that this is not just white rock lake and it's not just texas it's not just Dallas it's not just america but there's a lot there man you know you know my main inspiration for i guess having the affinity for the horror genre came from from um, my childhood um Again, I come from a, you know, Hispanic background, lots of superstition. And my I mean, my grandmother on my mother's side uh, was born in Guanajuato. It was one of the oldest states in Mexico. It's where all the um, the legends of werewolves and vampires and, you know, they've got the catacombs there the, where all the mummies and the skulls are buried. I mean, it's creepy. It's It's also now one of the most... Gorgeous art resorts in the South American hemisphere. It's, it's amazing. It's gorgeous. But again, it's got so much of that history to it. I remember when I was a child, uh, of course, I stayed with my, my grandmother, my mother's mother, Alice, who passed away about four years ago. She uh, and my grandfather had kind of a tumultuous relationship. And I never knew about it, but I, I always knew that something was wrong uh even as a child so it, it kind of made for attention you know so um my grandmother loved books and i remember um she would be doing her thing or cooking or doing laundry and i would like just sit in her library and just go through stacks of these of these books and, and these amazing pictures and they were all about mythology myths metaphysics uh i remember the first time i opened a certain book and it was Hieronymus bosch and it were these amazing paintings of hell i something about it was just really fascinating um it was kind of dark and of course you know my i was getting ready to go to catholic school and you know so i kind of felt like maybe i shouldn't be looking at this stuff but um I I really loved it now and I, and I liked being scared. Um and then when I started talking to my grandmother about it she started telling me these stories when she was a, a child living in Wanawatu. and apparently her best friend uh by her accounts was a witch from what she told me and and she would never really get too in depth but I I I would stay on her and 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 get as much information as I could from her uh you know whenever I was there from her friend's account, you know, there was a, there was a full societal system of white and black witches that would actually do have spiritual warfare in the streets of Guanajuato. Um And she said, you know, it, it's like they would be on the bus and one of the girls would brush against somebody and, and touch them. And two days later they would get sick. And when I got older, you know, I was really attracted by, you know, I, I I don't want to say black knowledge because I I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'll be I, I'm too lazy to be a witch. Uh, there's too much too much <laughs> too much in it. Uh, I've been doing a lot of research in witchcraft to write this next novel that I'm doing. And uh, I remember my my uh, editor is like, "Oh my god, you're gonna you're gonna become Voldemort. You already have a bad attitude." And I'm like, "Honey, I'm I'm way too lazy to become Voldemort. There's just too much into it." Um, but But knowing about it and knowing it affects so many people and it's such a part of so many people's lives. My grandmother, she's living with her father and his new wife who hates her. I mean, it was total Cinderella thing. The the woman like abused her so horribly and um, and all she wanted to do was get out. And so she really loved her friend and her friend got really, really sick and was was dying on her deathbed and actually pleaded with my grandmother, please take my power. I can give this to you. I can give you the ability to do this. Take it from me. Otherwise, it's going to be wasted. My grandmother refused it. And that particular um, grandmother, Alice, um, was really the, the catalyst to so many things that that I've seen and heard. And I think... I think things attach themselves to people who are sensitive to it, that are, you know, empathetic to, to it. I think that's what it is. It's empathy. It's being able to, to feel what others feel and you get into that, you know, and, and not only the good, but the bad as well. And, and a lot of it followed my grandmother everywhere because when she was still living in one with my grandfather They were the only family living in this shotgun building. So there were like six apartments on each side. There was one long hallway. And they occupied only two rooms uh, on one side. And the rest of the place was empty. Well, they would go in and into their rooms in the evening. And late at night, she could hear doors open and slam. And people walking down, she'd look outside her room. There's nothing, nowhere, anywhere. I mean, there's like so much dust everywhere. You would see footprints. There's nobody there, and this went on and on and on, and until they they left that domicile. She said she never slept well one night in there. Uh, another night, she tells me, um, she and and her uh, her sister were making um, faces in a mirror like kids do, you know, blah, 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 you know, just doing things. And she she turned around and made a face. And out of nowhere, she said, her exact words were, the face of the devil bloomed in front of me. I screamed and I, and I passed out. Her father found her on the floor. And to this day, she would never tell me what that face looked like. When they moved into probably the house that I remember the most, where they lived in when you know, all through when I was a kid, um, here in Dallas- so many things happened, man. I remember one thing she had always said is like, you know, whatever you do, if somebody knocks on the door late at night, don't answer it. And I thought, well, I mean, that didn't seem that weird to me. And I remember one night, it was late night and I was staying over there. and My parents were off doing something and I was staying with my grandparents and I heard a knock on the door and I'm the only one who heard it. So I get out and I'm creeping down the stairs late at night and I'm about to answer the door and the lights go on and my grandmother's like, do not open that door. And I'm like, Oh my God. And she goes downstairs and we look out the window and right across the street, there's a, like a two lane street in front of her house. There's an old woman with a cane walking like to the left. And my grandma's like, you see that, that woman, that's a spirit. And that is who just knocked on the door and i remember all the hair on my head just stood up on end and i was like oh my god she's like that is why you do not open the door in the middle of the night my parents divorced and had a horrible horrible separation i mean very physically violent with one another and um and my grandmother you know was convinced that this one ex friend of my mom's had had hexed my parents because it was such an about face and it was so horribly violent. Um, So, you know, I'm this little kid, you know, of course, you know, doing musical weekends with my dad. So my mom's like, hey, I I want you to, next time you go to your dad's, she hands me this little packet of powder. I mean, it looks like an eight ball, you know, or something that's been crushed up. She's like, I want you to put some of this powder um, just around his baseboards and stuff. I think I was like 13 or something. I'm like... What the fuck am I doing? You know, and, and I mean you're not you're not smart enough to go. This is absolutely crazy. And and you know you're doing something that's weird, but yet you do it anyway. It was really strange. So I I I did. Sorry, Dad. I I I had a hand in cross axing you. Um <laughs> Well, I think they're trying to use Spirituality to uh, to address the problems, yeah, uh, through an occult lens, and yeah, <laughs> it was it was insane. So okay, all right, okay. So um this next story is going to flip you out, and this deals with the same thing. So I remember my mom went and had this cleansing, and I remember I was there. God, it was like two and a half hours. I fell asleep. I woke back up, but she's at this curandera cool getting the full bath and the, the tomato soap and the weird crazy shit. And so she comes back out and, and we're driving home and I, and I, and I know I'm not supposed to ask anything. So I'm just like there. And she's like, so Renee, um, I have to tell you, I, I I don't really know what to expect, but the gentleman I saw said that there would be some type of manifestation for the next seven days. And I'm like, what does that mean should i listen to my black sabbath records and you know watch something you know materialize or something or what the fuck and she's like i have no idea so we go home and, and i kind of blew it off and i'm like yeah, whatever so uh, my mom's room is at the very back of the house opposite the kitchen you know um She has a big um, garden room in the center and the house kind of wraps around it. So, you know, there's no, uh, there's no basement. There's a crawl space. So there's um, underneath the house, there's only like, you know, like four feet and then earth. It's just before seven o'clock. We're sitting watching television or something and I'm on the bed with her. Suddenly I hear something and it sounds like somebody dropped like a 40 pound weight On the floor Boom And it it echoed almost, And we were like What the hell She turned off the, the television And we're just like What the fuck And then it happens again Boom Growing up in the house I mean I know what that house sounds like It is in the front of the house In the kitchen I can I can hear the linoleum slap Then the thing starts moving Boom it goes into the front room. I can hear it. Boom. Boom. Goes to the entrance to the hallway coming down. Boom. Going between the rooms. I mean, you could hear it getting louder. Boom. We could hear the bed shaking every time it struck. And it was loud. It wasn't like some night. Was like At this point, it's like somebody has got a sledgehammer and is swinging full force up from the ground upwards but there's only like three and a half feet. There's no way anything could do that and move with that speed. And and not that it's fast, but it's, it's, it's moving consistently towards us. And every like seven seconds, it's boom and getting closer. I was flipping out. So help me God. This is the truth. And the thing kept going and stopped at her front door. I mean, it was right outside, boom. We were just like staring at each other. And we sat there for like five minutes listening. And it it was over. Albie, that happened every night at exactly seven o'clock for 15 minutes for seven days straight. I don't know what you believe in something manifested and scared the fucking piss out of me. And I'll go to my grave telling that story because that shit's real.
0: Do you want to try to scare me? If you've had or have heard about a paranormal experience you'd like to share, or if the area you live in has a particularly scary legend or lore, I want to hear it. Send an email to scareme at albiroblesvoice.com. Scare Me is produced by Albi Robles Voice and features original music by Adam Clifton. For voiceover booking information or to inquire about having your own podcast produced, go to www.albiroblesvoice.com.